everybody. Welcome to Read This, Read That. I am Jackie Reed. I'm Joanne Reed. Hey, cousin. Busy day, huh? Crazy, busy day. A lot happening. Joe Biden was Joe Bidening. Um, and you know, you gotta, it, it takes him a while to Joe Biden. So you gotta it does. get him. You gotta we gonna give him time. We gonna give, give him time. Cause grandpa Joe has got them checks. You remember how you used to have that grandparent that would always send you a dollar every Christmas and they would always, and they'd send you a check for a dollar and you'd be like, I love my grandparents. It was like right, $5. In the, card, in the in green card. card, you open it up, be like a dollar. You'd be so happy to get that crisp dollar. Come on now. And you go right to the candy store because grandma and grandpa always take care of you. Joe is that grandpa, but he's coming with like $3,500. Like, he's just like, here's $1,400 for you for the stimmy. Uh, and here's another $3,500 for each of your dependents. Like he's that grandpa, and, but like with real money. <laughs> and you get a vaccine. You yes. get a vaccine. You get a vaccine. You get a vaccine. <laughs> Joe Biden got the cat. The memes of Joe Biden being like the candy man with the money is the, is the most hysterical thing to me where he's got like a little goatee right here, a mustache, Sung, he's got his Ray-Bans on. He's like the money man. He's like the, 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 the money man in the neighborhood right now. Joe Biden is like the most popular old man in America right now. I love it. Well, speaking of the vaccine, my wind down for today, and I did not, I had your wrong address, so I didn't get to send you any of my little cocktail, but it is it will be on the way because I love it so much. Everybody's been asking me about this stuff, this free stuff. Yes. Not that it's free, it's just called free. But um, mine is, I have changed my mind, and I know I told you this uh, personally, but I am now ready and willing to get the vaccine. Like now I want it. I am like trying. Yes. Everybody around me has it. Yes. Everybody's gotten it. It's hard to get it. You know, the the weird thing, thank you. I'm so happy to hear that. Well, it was your show. Let me say, it was your show that did it. It was the special that you did with Dr. Fauci and the two women. I don't remember their names, but one of the women, I don't, I want to say she's a doctor, but one of the women said, listen, I know there are people out there who have reservations about the vaccine, me. And she said, and they're concerned that it may make them sick and all this kind of stuff. She said, we can fix you if you get sick, but we can't fix you if you die from COVID. That was a, a aha moment for me, that. And when I saw Rev Sharpton, who was also kind of like on the fence, mm-hmm. when I saw him go and get the vaccine, I was like, okay. And it wasn't that I did not want to take it. I want to be clear. I yeah. just wanted to wait. See how it rolled out. How it played out. Because something that I wanted you to ask on your show last night, and I don't know if I missed it, was how long does the vaccine last? Ah, very good question. So because it's like three or four months, right? Well, here's the thing. So Dr. Vin Gupta, who's the person who convinced me, because I was also scared. Like I'm, you know, I never get the flu shot. I'll just be honest. I don't get the flu shot every year. Me either. The only time I've ever gotten the flu shot is I was in the hospital. As you know, Jackie Reed, when I had my crazy being in the hospital thing Uh. in 2019, and they would not let me out the hospital until I got that shot. They were like, you can't check out until you get the flu shot. That was the first time in my life I'd ever had the flu shot. I had swine flu when I was about 12. That whole 70s swine flu. I I probably was younger than that. I might've been like- Swine flu? How did I miss this in your- Yeah, swine flu rolled through the United States. No, but you had it? I had it. And actually, I'm, made, I'm getting my age wrong. I know exactly how old I was. I, it, was it was in 1976 is when I had it. So it was I was, a, I was an elementary school kid, and it was the sickest I've ever been in my life. I was in bed what? for like a week, throwing up. Yes. And, and I remember during that time, Gerald Ford did a whole rollout of a swine flu vaccine that they, they rushed it. And a lot of people actually got sick from the vaccine. And, you know, when we were kids, they used to give us the polio shots at school. We walk, you walk in a line and they just hit you with the two sides. So I've never been very vaccine excited. Like I got all my kids vaccinated. I'm very not an anti-vaxxer, but I'm for getting vaccines. But the flu shot to me always seemed like that's going to give me the flu. (laughs) Right. I feel the same way. I have never taken the flu uh, vaccine. Never. And I should because I have respiratory issues, as I'm sure you do, because having something like the swine flu weakens your immune system. And you and I both have whooping cough. Like we're two of the rare people in America that have had whooping cough. It's yeah. wild to me that we're both reads and we both had whooping cough. It's like freaks. But <laughs> like you're, you're the only other person I know that's ever had it. And I had whooping cough at the same time that also led me to the hospital. So I have ongoing, like I can't run. I used to run track. I can run like, you know, a hundred feet and then I'm exhausted. So I, I, I worry about anything respiratory, anything lung, anything like that. So, you know, just what the coronavirus is, which is what it is. And people have, I mean, I know 30 somethings who had the, um, 
corona covid and they still can't breathe properly and they're in their 30s oh. jackie so i'm so afraid of covid that you and i both know i'm a shut-in baby i'm in this house i don't leave Same. if it can be ordered and delivered and I tip 25%, baby. I'm tipping the highest I can get on that machine because I'm so grateful for everyone who brings me groceries and my medication. Everything comes yeah. delivered because I'm terrified. I am terrified of COVID. And when I am too. Gupta, Dr. Gupta is the one who convinced me because I said, I don't know. I said it on my show. I said, I'm nervous about the vaccine, Dr. Gupta. I'm just being honest. I'm nervous. You know, there's a whole history with us and blood back. And he said, listen, <laughs> he said, not only ma'am, do you need to get the vaccine? You better get it on television. You better televise it. You got to get everybody to get it. You mm -hmm. have to be responsible and get the vaccine. And he said something that sold me where he said the same thing that that doctor said. The vaccine might make you get a headache. COVID could kill you. Right. <laughs> and if you- but What did he say about, the, about how long it will last though? Yeah. Because are we going to have to get vaccinated again in six months? No. So what I've heard now, he didn't say, I'll, I'm going to ask him the next time he's on or our other great doctors that we have on. I'm going to specifically ask. But what I've heard from other shows that have had doctors on is that if you get, for instance, the J&J, &J, which is the yeah. one shot deal, right? Yeah. Possibly if variants come out, you may need a booster shot of it in six months. But quite likely you won't. But you may. And it's only if the variants take over and they become the primary version of COVID that's getting people, you might need a booster shot, but it's only a maybe, that's not even clear. You might be able to just get it once a year. Joanne, we have two very Go. exciting guests joining us today to talk about that royal interview with Oprah and the fallout from it that just continues. It will not end. So much to discuss joining us are two ladies that we love to have on Read This, Read That, Dr. Shola Mashogbamimu, who is an activist and an author. Thank you. She's got a new book out, which you can see behind her. It is called This Is Why I Resist. And she may not know this, but I found out on great reporting that she has an upcoming book called Let Me Finish, The Last Days of Pierce Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> That's the book she's working on now. Love it. <laughs> As a bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we have our friend Loda Lola Adeshoye, who is our royal expert and a friend to the show. Hello, ladies. Welcome to you both. Hello, hello. We are so glad to have all this black girl magic up yeah. here on Read This, Read That, because Joanne and I, of course, we have enough to say about this issue, but we had to we had to bring you all in here to just mm. add some flavor okay. to the conversation. So Joanne, I'm going to let you begin with the first question. Since uh, yeah. I well, thank you very much. And I, I appreciate all of you. And it's, I love having all of this African girl magic uh, that's <laughs> on with me. So, you know, I have to stand just a little bit of my, my ladies from the continent and also by way of the UK. Um, Not the continent, the continent. The continent, you know, we got, but you know, the African continent, but also you're, you know, we got Britain in, in the house. Miss yes. Lola is, I think might be from my husband's hometown um, or somewhere nearby. Um, but yes, this is very exciting. But Dr. Shola, you know, I have to start with you. And my only question, honestly, is where did you bury Piers Morgan's body? And did you leave it as an unmarked grave so that no one is even able to mourn him? <laughs> Just kidding. My real question to you, because <laughs> him dead. I mean, first of all, when you went into that interview, I just have to get, for everyone who didn't see it, this was the first read. The second read was done by Mr. Beresford, who is uh, the co-host, who's actually the weather, weather presenter on the show. Yeah. It was sort of a start and finish. You set him up and then he just ended him. He and slam dunked it. He slam dunked him, but you it was an alley-oop, basically. You alley -oop. And he dunked him. <laughs> but when you went in, I just have to ask you, as you were sitting there, listen to him try to mansplain and race-splain you about um, Megan and her interview, Megan Markle's interview, and saying he didn't believe what she was saying, particularly as she spoke so deeply and earnestly about her own mental health crisis because of all the racism and all of the attacks she was getting. Just what was going through your head as you were building up to speak? That... Pierce was proving to me again what I said to him just a week before that he's a petty, petulant, fragile man baby who can't get over himself because Meghan Markle rejected him. So as I sat there now, unfortunately for Pierce, I had only had two hours sleep. 
because I'd watch the interview. You see what I mean? Even my husband knows to pack himself somewhere when I've not slept enough. <laughs> so this is me now sitting down, listening, you know, so prior to me coming on, all I can hear here is doing is trashing Meghan Markle, left, right, and center, left, right. And nobody was really taking him on on that, right? So by the time I got on, I was like, nah, not today. In fact, <laughs> where's my, where's, I'm British Nigerian. I'm like, where's my rapper? I'm going to tie it around my waist. Let's go. <laughs> Let us go. I mean, what is it? <laughs> so I mean, the whole conversation with Piers, I, anytime I get into a debate with Piers, it does turn out quite loud, both of us going back and forth. It's not the first time. Um, and But this time, I just had to drive home the point to him that he's, his malicious obsession over Meghan Markle was making him you know, act really irresponsibly. And that's why I was pointing out to him that as a wealthy, white, privileged man, he's using his power and influence irresponsibly, shamelessly, to escalate and aggravate the bigoted, sexist, racist, and misogynist attacks on her. It's unacceptable. Nobody's asking him to like her. It's not everybody in this world you're going to like, right? But what in heaven's name did this girl do to you? It's her right not to pick up your calls, not to text you back. Last time I checked, you know, God is very much alive. He didn't die and make mm -hmm. Pierce Morgan God. So I don't understand. So yeah. in that moment, especially coming from the Oprah interview, which left me angry, if I'm perfectly honest with you. I mean, this is me feeling outraged. There were just different emotions going through my head. First of all, I was asking, Megan and I are quite similar. I mean, aside from the fact that, yes, we share Black heritage. It's not that. It's not just that. We're both educated, independent, career-minded women. What in heaven's name did they do to this girl to reduce her to her not wanting to live anymore? What in heaven's name happened? And of course, I mean, the look on Oprah Winfrey's face at that disclosure about concerns and the implications of Archie's scheme being that, I said, Jesus in heaven. Oh. <laughs> Well, and Lola, well, Lola, let, let's bring yeah, Lola, Lola, let, yeah. let's bring you into this. Yeah. What was you know, Dr. Shola saying? You know, she was angry in watching that interview. What was your takeaway from it? What was your reaction after watching the Oprah interview with Meghan and Harry? You know what? The whole time I was like, "This tea is so hot. This is an explosion." And you remember, yeah. we talked in October of 2019 about what was happening with Meghan and Harry. Yeah. And actually I listened back and there were some prescient things you said. I said, one, I don't think they're gonna stay in the country. I said, I will not be surprised if they move. And I said, two, I don't know if Megan's understanding what she just got herself into all the way. You know, this is not a normal life. It's a very restrictive life. These are not celebrities. You know, they have a whole protocol and way of um, operating. And so I was sad when I heard about it because I think that's such a shame because you know, I can imagine that, you know, she probably had this idea, like, I'm a princess, I'm a, you know, I'm going to be in this amazing family, and right. it's going to be incredible. And then she gets in there and basically finds herself a sort of captive, you know, a, a prisoner. And then not only that, having to deal with all their, I mean, they're a dysfunctional family anyway outside of Megan, they're highly dysfunctional. So you're dealing with that and you're dealing with competitiveness with your sister-in-law and then you're black. And this is a, you know, a, a family that they have had, there's, there's blackness in the family, but not publicly, you know? So you're dealing with all, she, I knew she was gonna change her whole family and that's exactly what she's doing. And so when I watched it, I was like, wow. Who do you think, who do you think talked to Harry about the color of Archie's skin? I who think you, who was Charles, your best guess? I think it was Charles or William. Mm. That's what I think. I, I think I, they were very protective of the Queen. They were very they defensive. They were. Of the queen. Yeah. I think the Queen was um, welcoming to Meghan, and I, from the beginning, I think you could see that. I feel like she almost went to some sort of lengths to say, like, "You're in the family." Um, but I, yeah, I definitely think it was William or Charles. You know, William and Harry have a have a sibling rivalry essentially that's going on right now. Um, so I was like wow, this is about to really do some uh, interesting damage to the royal family. Yeah. Yeah. And can I ask both of you to, to weigh in on this question? Because the colonialism is very much steeped in this, right? There's, there's a reason that there are Black people in Britain. And, you know, their history is 
slightly different than ours, but not that different. It's like the mother of our country's history of enslavement, et cetera. Britain was a global colony. And so the reason that there are so many black and Indian and you know Pakistan and all of these pieces of what we think of as independent countries used to be crammed into the British empire. And they have these relationships with South Africa, with all of these countries, with Nigeria, with all these countries. Talk a little bit about how colonialism plays into this whole picture. Uh, Dr. Shola first and then Lola. Well, before, before you get to colonialism, you have to talk about slavery, yeah. okay? So the whole process started with enslaving millions of Africans, okay? Then when they, in the name of good conscience and the name of Christianity and, commer and commerce and civilization, decided to stop slavery, they then decide to enslave nations. That is what colonization is. And people think, oh, let's, let's give them a round of applause. They, they sent the, the British Royal Navy around, but look at what happened. From enslaving human beings, who they brought to Britain, they took to America, they took to different countries. They said they wanted to do the right thing. And then they went on to colonize entire nations, extracting wealth, human resources from entire nations stealing, kidnapping, let's call it what it is, okay? The whole point is all of this was derived from the legacy of slavery and the way they could justify slavery is by the dehumanization of the black identity. It's by referring to black people as savages, uncivilized, not having the mental compass, you know, the, the mental ability to rule themselves, to be able to think through, they're not very smart, all of this nonsense. And do you know what? It still exists today. Yes, we may not have signs that says no blacks as we once did in the States or signs as we once did here in the United Kingdom, no blacks, no dogs, but they don't need those signs anymore. They've got, they've got policies that are so whitewashed. <laughs> they can just, you know, they can do whatever they want. That is the problem. The dehumanization of the black identity. It speaks through into how black people are treated in a country that they also belong to. I mean, I'm British Nigerian. I was born in London. I am African from the roots of my hair to the soles of my feet. I am proud to be African. And of course I'm proud to be British, but it, it took me growing up to realize that there are people who define me and cast aspersions against my character and define who I could possibly be before I've even defined it for myself. And then I now realize it is all done because of that history. Now, it would be great if this was just history we were talking about, but it's not history because today our structural systems in the United Kingdom and the United States are still rooted in white supremacy. And the whole point of white supremacy is to deny an equal value of life and liberty to black people. It benefits, it, you know, the, you, we all know that race is a social construct. God only created the human race, yes? He saw the yeah. beauty in all of our colors, yes? But of course, those who thought they knew better decided that white was more superior. As I write in my book, there's nothing jack or more superior by having a, a white skin. That's not true. But those who believe in white supremacy are clearly suffering from the case of inferiority complex. I set them to straight, you know, in my book. The point is, a lot of these issues we face today, the reason why we are still pushing against structural racism, that racial inequality and racial injustice still exist, is because we live in societies that, are, that their way of life is predicated on the denial of an equal value of life and liberty to Black people. And unless we recognize that, if even something like my name, oh, it's just a bit too difficult. I'm like, are you an illiterate? Can you not read? <laughs> oh no, I, we're just saying that it's, it's just a bit difficult. I said, listen, if you can't read my name, you're an illiterate. And if you cannot pronounce my name, you're just lazy. Cause you can say Swashnigger, Swarovski and all those things. I see nothing wrong with Moshogbamimu. In fact, you know, sometimes Joy, Joy and Jackie, do you know, I turn it into a song. I say, say my name, say my name. Say my sugar me when you know your lies around you. Okay. <laughs> How are you going to forget my name then? I love that. Well, Lola, let me, do you mind if I ask you another question aside from the one that Joanne just asked, or do you want to speak on? I Kalei? actually do want to speak about Okay, that. go ahead. It's actually what Dr. Shola said is very important. So okay, the reason why Megan's entry into the royal family was so significant was for exactly that reason. Someone like Meghan was never supposed to be in the royal family. The mm -hmm. colonizers were not gonna have black blood in their family. 
right? There was something I said when we spoke last time, is she contaminating the royal family? That's how people see it. Mm. In the same way that when Obama came in, the slaves were never meant to be the president. Mm. What happened there? Then you see this huge, gigantic backlash. So a lot of this, that's why it's so monumental. It's not about a bunch of rich people or famous people. It's about the shaking of a thousand years of this stupid white supremacist mentality that essentially is being broken apart in front of our eyes. And that's what I think is why this is so profound. I don't know if people get it like that, but when someone can come in and say, listen, yeah, I'm here. And this is how you treat my kids. And this is how you're doing this. Well, this is, this is the foundation of the white supremacy crumbling before us. So that's why I think it's really important from the sort of colonial and uh, enslavement perspective, what this really means. Can I just quickly add something to what Lola said? Because I think it's important for us as darker skinned black women to point this out, that Meghan Markle is a lighter skinned biracial woman of black heritage, right? But this is where the one drop rule applies. So even just a drop of blackness (laughs) makes her too black for them. Mm. A drop of blackness, she's still not white enough Mm. to fit in. People, please. If you black, you know that that child is going to come out on the fairer side. Okay, she's not going to come out. The baby was not going to come out looking like us. So when you're having a right. kid, what's the color of the baby going to be? I'm like, wow. Right. Did you ask Kate Middleton that? <laughs> <laughs> but speak on this, ladies. Let Let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, Archie, and let's talk about you know what was revealed in the interview. Not only about questions about you know the hue of his skin, but also whether or not he would be a prince. Um, And I just want you guys to clarify what, you know, what was supposed to happen, because Megan alluded to the fact that they were trying to change something so that he would never become a prince. Can either of you speak on what was supposed to happen with Archie? Was he ever supposed to be a prince once um, William became king? Is that the way that it works? Lola, you take this one. No, I was going to say, Lola, you take this one. (laughs) The thing is, I think, so I think Archie would have had a title. I don't know if the title was supposed to be Prince. It doesn't exactly go like that. So I don't know if what Meghan was alluding to is the fact that they wanted, I mean, obviously they've taken the titles away from um, Harry and Meghan anyway. So they were basically going to have this, have Archie just be like Archie Blocks, you know, or Archie Doe, essentially, rather than, you know, uh, Duke of whatever. Or you know, So I think that's what the issue is. I don't think that Archie has a, a natural right to be Prince Archie. Well, let me ask you this then. Let me let me just ask this. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna ask about you all's reaction to the royal family's reaction. We saw Prince William, you know, just kind of blurt out as he angrily walked by media, you know, the royal family's not racist. And then we got, we have this, you know, comment from the queen saying that among other things, while some recollections may vary, uh, I like. What do you all think is the future of this relationship with the royals and Harry and Meghan? Shola, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Shola. Okay, people. <laughs> oh my God, that statement is the understated, um, unsat- most unsatisfactory statement they could possibly have come out with in 2021. That was a response that just gaslit an entire nation. This, the, the royal family's response is trying to stop public scrutiny by claiming it's a family matter. No, it's not a family matter. It is now a national matter because if you can't support two of your own through mental health, then you're paying lip service to all of our mental health. If you cannot protect one of your own from racism, then you sure as heck cannot protect me from racism. It is a national matter. And this response as well, <laughs> Gaslights everyone by implying that Megan's experience of racism varies from the recollection of the person or people that perpetuated the racism against her. Can you see the smoke of the whiteness coming through? Can you see the caucasity of that state? And then, and then, and then, and then, and then, to talk to top it all, because that's not the end. They now, the whole response basically was like, well, yeah, bye. There's nothing else to see. I'm like, no, you don't understand. You see, in this 2021, I expect the monarchy to be accountable to the people. You cannot exist in a society where you are 
you know, you're, you are beyond the law. You're not beyond the law. This is not attacking one person, the monarchy. It's the institution. So that statement that was produced, that was shared out, was just more of the same. It was totally unacceptable. And you know what? I'm not surprised. There are going to be people in, in the United Kingdom who would actually be looking to the monarchy because the monarchy is the head of government, right? Looking to the monarchy to steer them in the right direction. This monarchy is not, not capable of doing that. And when Prince William came out and he was asked that question, I'm thinking, God, of course he's going to say that his family is not racist. And I don't think anyone is saying that, oh, every member of the royal family is racist. That's not what people are talking about. What we are talking about is that the monarchy is one of the structural systems in this country rooted in white supremacy, rooted in the legacy of slavery and colonialism. So please don't tell me you can't understand how they benefit, rip from, and enable the continuation of structural racism. And that is why we need to call it out, speak up about it. I say, no, 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 not on my watch. This needs to be dealt with. I'll stop now because if you don't stop me, I'll keep talking. No, it's okay. <laughs> I do want to ask though about the, the other thing that Harry said. Because first of all, I have to give Harry a lot of credit. He truly is Diana's child. Just the fact oh. that married a woman of color tells me that he really heard his mama even at his little 12 year old age before she passed and this is I feel like this is what Diana would have wanted right I mean she was dating a Muslim man and their heads exploded but you know the the thing he said that I thought was interesting is he made it sound a lot like the royal family are actually in a way imprisoned by the media by the tabloids and I, in just Googling and looking up for the show, um, for, for, the, for the readout, discovered that the Daily Mail is actually owned by like a Viscount, like somebody who's sort of in the royal court. And the, it does seem to me, and either of you can ask this question, but maybe Lola, since we talked about this on the special we did for the wedding, they have a lot of power. Like the, the, the media in, in, in the UK has a ton of power, right? Like more power than you'd think to, and the family is afraid of them. Yeah. So. You know, it's like what I was saying on your show the other day, Joy. It's the, the thing is this, the royal family exists because people believe in it. They're not elected. There's no merit to them, right? They're a family who've said for a long time, we're special. So they need people to believe. There are lots of people who actually don't believe in the monarchy and who think they're wrong, but where do they have the ability to say so? If the tabloids and the media turn against the royal family and there's an uprising of the people, and people start demanding them to be removed, it would, I mean, it's constitutionally they're there, but it would actually be difficult for them to continue. They are supported a lot with taxpayer money. The queen is one of the largest landowners in the world. We pay for them, you know, so that, that relationship with the media is very, very important because the media is, is their tool, you know, to keep the people. I mean, it's so antiquated, the whole idea. And I think it's so, it's so strange that this family is like, Basically, we need you to keep us in their good graces so that they won't revolt against us. And that's yeah, by, 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 by putting out racist commentary on one of ours, who's of biracial heritage, you're going to keep us more important. Well, but let, me say, yeah, let me just point to what Joy Ann said earlier about um, Harry uh, being the son of Diana. This is what my summation is, right? I, I, I said this before that Harry, Prince Harry is the husband to Meghan that Prince Charles never was to Diana. Yeah. Mm. Period. That people should just take that mm. and go cash it in the bag. That's mm. it. So when, he takes, when he's bold enough to do what his family did not think he was capable of doing, because from that interview, he also alluded to the fact that his father cut him off financially, mm. but for the grace of his mother's money, the inheritance, he would not have been in the position which would have really left him trapped. Mm. And I, I know families get messed up, don't get me wrong. I know families have their issues, but come on. And then Medea saved them. Medea was like, come and move it with me, hello. I mean, I, what, what was the, Shirley, and you, you talked about this when you were, I, I don't know which program you were on, but what is this, and both of you can, can chime in on this. What is this, how, how strong is this whole thinking that, the royal family is above the law, that they can't be criticized. Because Pierce Morgan, when you were debating with him, he just kept saying that you were criticizing the, the queen and that Harry and Meghan were criticizing the queen and that that seemed to be the point of his argument. He kept going back to that. Is, is that a very popular perspective? 
Welcome to Great Britain, where people are more outraged by having the audacity to speak up than the actual outrage of racism. What Piers Morgan was doing there was deflecting. Yeah. What could he possibly say to real serious accusations of racism and mental health neglect, but to accuse, oh, let's make this about protecting the queen. The queen doesn't need protection from Piers Morgan. She could not pick Piers Morgan out of a, out of a crowd of working class people. So <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, all of that is just nonsense. He's just deflecting. And then you get the, oh, it's freedom of speech. Freedom of speech doesn't come without responsibility. Freedom of speech doesn't give you the right to oppress other people. And that is what he was doing with his malicious obsession. So look, those who are, who, who are generally on the extra, extra alt-right always use this narrative of patriotism. You see it in Trumpism, you see it yeah. in Brexitism. They go into, this is a matter of national pride. Well, you know what? Real patriots will want to cut out the cancer in our nation. Racism is a cancer we must fight and eradicate. But of course they don't want to do that. Now remember, not all white British are racist, but those who truly benefit, who recognize that the, that the structural systems we have in place do cause a real disadvantage and discriminate and are rooted in racism. They don't want to do jack all about it because can they benefit from it? From it. Let's not even start talking about the racial gatekeepers, the token black uh, ethnic minorities who are ready to sell their people under the bus, mm. who will legitimize the dehumanization of their people, who will discredit the anti-racist efforts of those trying to, to, to end racial inequality. Because you know, the dehumanization of black people cannot be complete without black people, those black people, the racial gatekeepers who sell their black people under the bus. And I'm not speaking of which, we got him here too. Speaking of which, who was that man on the show with you that morning who spoke? Who in the hell was that black man talking about the queen isn't racist? The royals aren't racist. There is no racist. Who was he? I have no idea. But even as I was listening to him, I was like, oh, my God, I see what they've done. What they've done is they want to have two black people, two black people, one that will sound like, well, no, you know, white people are not racist. This, well, this is what it reminds me of. It reminds me of those who go, but at least the queen shook my hand. Yes. She was still wearing gloves. But she shook my hand or the queen smiled at me or, you know, like they're grateful for whatever opportunity. Well, hold up a second. We should all be grateful equally. I shouldn't go, oh, you know, I'm British. I'm really lucky as a black person to be British. No, no, no. That should never be my mindset because white people, white British don't think that way. This is why I know some people might think, oh, she comes across I, that I, they don't understand me. I do laugh a lot. Don't, 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 don't think I don't. But they go, oh, look at her. She, she's so forceful. So over here, I'm like, look, listen, when the good Lord was dishing out patients, I was not in that queue. So if you are still at the ABC, don't rate me one, two, three level of racism, don't drag me back because I'm at the calculus level. Hello. I don't have time for nonsense. I think Lola, let me ask you this question because I want to go back to, 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 to Archie for just a second. Because A, I think he really should have an HRH. I want to know, does he still get an HRH? Because he deserves it. And what happens as this kid grows up and now there's going to be a sister? In my mind, Megan, Harry, Archie, and that baby who's probably going to be, you know, a supermodel, they are now independently superstars. They're going to be superstars in America. Yeah. America will never be able to get enough of them. They are now bona fide celebrities now that the royals have said they ain't part of any of our stuff. Now they can just be celebrities. They have this Netflix deal. They have all these deals going, the Spotify deal. What do you think winds up happening with them? Do they, because they're gonna now, I don't see how they don't eclipse William and, well, what's the lady name you married to? Kate. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think they'll get titles. Um, I think this is a big rift and I think it's one that's gonna continue. Um, but in a way, it doesn't matter. And so, you know, partly the whole reason, of, partly this thing with the interview is the need to have um, 
you know, to tell their story. Like we live in America now. We are actually really no longer like in the royal family. They've cut us off. They said they don't want us. So we have to let you know what's happened, why we're here, what we're about, what we're trying to do. And the kids will follow, you know, suit the same way. I did notice that William um, had a, a black person standing behind I noticed her. Him, yes. a, a sister with some African clothing. I'm like, where did he find her? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you come with me. Suddenly it's like, oh, let's bring my black friend. I have a black friend, you know. <laughs> so crazy. It's like whenever you say a racist, they go, you see this black person right here? I mean, they are black, right? I'm like two feet from me. You see a black person, right? I know you can see there's a black person. Look at him. Look, look. I mean, they, the thing is so sad. I mean, they did it with poor Herman Cain. Then he died of COVID and they forgot. And they forgot all about him. But Lola, were you trying to finish something? Yeah, I was say, how can you realistically say out of your mouth, we are not a racist family, when you still preside over a commonwealth, it doesn't make any sense. There are a whole bunch of countries made up of black and brown people who mm. you are technically still, I mean, they're not subjects per se like they were before, but you still call the commonwealth, that came out of the empire. Mm. So where is your lack of racism that's in the family when that's like having a bunch of, you know, former slaves like living on your property or whatever, and you're like, oh, but we're not racist. Well, how did they get there then? Right, right, right. Do you yeah. guys Lola, see this? Lola, let, can I get another question that should be posed to Prince William is, how could you, in January, publicly come out, speak out against the racist attack on Marcus Rashford, the British footballer, but then fail for years to defend your own sister-in-law, Megan, from racist coverage in the press? And no, we're not a racist family. How do you do that? Yeah. Yeah, because that just seemed to me like a, I mean, when I saw him do that, right? I went, oh, hold up a second. <laughs> the Nigerian in me kicked that. I said, hey, hey. Not only did we learn in that interview though, that Megan was dealing with suicidal thoughts, but Prince Harry has said that he has been suffering yeah. mentally yeah. because of that. It is just so amazing to me that Prince Charles wouldn't take his own son's phone calls that they cut off, not only Harry's you know security but his family and then they cut him off financially surprised like, though, Jackie, look what they did to, look what he did look what he allowed to happen to Diana this is but, but but okay but, but Diana that you know you could say okay that was my wife right but this is his son this is his son because he was already with Camilla he didn't care about uh you know Diana anyway but this is his son it, it is amazing to me but I, I because of those details that came out and just the backlash in support of um you know of Megan and Harry from celebrities around the world from you know there was a group of British lawmakers that signed a document in support of them I just wonder if you all think if the royal family is concerned that they have a PR problem moving forward, and if if how concerned are they concerned enough to try to repair this with Megan and Harry specifically? That is the sixty-four million pound question, because they suffered a really bad PR when they failed to express any emotion after Diana's death. And the backlash they suffered from the from the public caused them to come out in an unprecedented way to come out and see, you know, to be with the crowds. I mean, there were millions of millions of people outside Buckingham Palace and they were really, really ticked off at the Queen. And I think where we are right now is you have these two growing camps. The one camp, they're like, well, this is about protecting the Queen, which we all know that it's not. And the other camp, they say, look, this is a, a bigger issue because it speaks to the character of the monarchy. If the monarchy cannot protect its own, what does it really stand for? Especially when they say that they, they support mental health initiatives, when they say that, well, you know, we are the head of the Commonwealth. Now, yeah, you're the head of the Commonwealth because of what you benefit from the Commonwealth. Clearly, they keep using the Commonwealth as prop. That really irritates me. Mm. Thing is, this that at this point, you know, and again, I mean, there, there's so many parallels and similarities to so many things. It's a lot like Brexit. It's a lot. It's the old school who were used to controlling the narrative versus the new school who have social media, who have a whole raft of ways that they can actually tell their own story more effectively. The royal family has not caught up to the modern era. And, and I think they thought Meghan would have been the token black girl who was happy to be there. And like, oh my God, I'm just so happy to be in the royal family. 
and that has not happened. So what you're gonna start seeing, I think, is a battle of the narrative. I think it's just gonna be very difficult for the royal family, unless they actually say like, yeah, you know what, we actually are racist, because given the time that we're in now, it would benefit them to actually fall on their sword and say, we've done lots of things over time that we can completely see how it's perceived, even if they don't admit it. But for them to come out and keep saying, oh, we're not racist and this isn't really an issue, that can't help them at all. And like I'm saying, give it 10, 20 years, hmm. they're gonna be regular working people. Once the queen goes, it's Do you think that? that was you what think I'm, that? Do you I think do. Be, I mean, because I've always had this sense that Charles will never be king. Because first of all, the queen's going to live to be 130 years old. Like, if you really think that Charles or, and I, and much less William, do you think that the royal family is going to eventually end? I was under the impression that the deal that Charles had with the queen when he got with Camilla was that the, he would skip being king. Mm. The kingdom would go to William directly. So I don't know if Charles is going to be the king. Uh, that's what I've heard over time. We'll see. But I think that the tide is turning, the public perception tide is turning. I also think that there are many examples of um, families in, in Europe who are royalty and they work. And if Harry and Meghan's uh, journey is successful, what do we need the royal family for? Right. Don't, don't the Spanish, I think in Spain, they have a royal family, but they are regular working people. Yeah. They have the title, but they don't just yeah. live on the dole, which yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think they could restore anything to Harry, to Prince Harry? Do you think, um, you know, his salary, security, his military honor, do you think that they're, that they would consider those nuggets as a way to repair or to look better than they look? Maybe, but will Harry take it? Mm. Point, like what he's saying your dad cuts you off your brother doesn't care your brother hasn't said this is my brother i'm concerned about our relationship hasn't even spoken to him after the interview that's mm. all that's deep stuff you know and then they turn around okay well great so let's give you back a few things to make you feel good i don't know if he's if he's going to want to take that and then that would make him look silly as well so Shola, i have a question for you shola do you, what about the british press so you're there, you, you're, you, this show apparently will be now Piersless, uh, Good Morning Britain. And they need to replace him, that, him with a, a black person, by the way. Maybe oh. you, maybe, yes. Have you been offered a job on Good Morning Britain, number one? And do you- <laughs> Let me tell you, there's some incredible black people in the industry. This yeah. will be a great opportunity for them. Yeah. Do you think the British press is going to back down now that they've been exposed as literally driving not now one, but two princesses to the point of wanting to die. I mean, they did this to Diana and now they've done it to um, uh, Duchess Meghan. Do you think at some point they back down? No, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because the British press feed the British public. The only reason they can put bring out all of this nonsense is because there's a market for it. Do you see? What we see in the press is symptomatic of a section of the society. Some people clearly think they can have a cup of tea and go over the royal family like they're watching The Crown on Netflix. And the reality is this, even after uh, Meghan won the lawsuit against the Associated Press, look at what's happened. I've seen at least, you know, so, so many headlines. There was one, of course, linking her, her Saudi, the earring she was wearing from the Saudi prince to linking that to Khashoggi's murder. There was another one that, that, that referred to her as hissing, you know, kissing teeth, which is the typical, stereotypical negative um, trope used against black women, right? More and more of this. So they're not going to stop if the British public continue to want this. Clearly they learned nothing from Diana. They, I mean, at all that, outrage and sorrow, uh, you know, uh, and, and all of the feelings that we all got how many years ago when Diana lay dying in the car, but yet the paparazzi kept taking pictures. That's what we're seeing now. They're ready, they're ready to hunt down this couple. And the point is the monarchy is allowing them to, if the monarchy as an institution had embraced Harry and Meghan, they would not have left. If they had stepped up and gone, okay, that press is bad, the royal family do have power. They do have power and influence. So this whole thing of this um, negative symbiotic relationship, it seems that they know how to use it to make it work when they want to, but they left Megan out there as the scapegoat. That's just wrong. I hope here, I hope that little Archie grows up to have a big red afro and look just like Colin Kaepernick. 
<laughs> big red ass afro, like this yay big, real big, and bright red. I hope he's a ginger afro. Cool. That's my dream. Lola, let, let me ask your let me ask your opinion on this. How did what what is your opinion on how Prince William and Prince Harry ended up being two so very different people? given their experience growing up? Like what happened? It's so easy. I mean, you know, my sister and I, we have about the same age gap. We're very different. You know, there's, there's, there's so much that's happened generationally in a short period of time. I think, like you said, Harry is very much Diana's son. William's very much Charles's son. Mm. Harry was never going to be the king. So, you know, William has more of an incentive to be align himself with the establishment and to do what they want. He has a lot to gain from it. Harry never did really, and he knew that. So he's gonna be the regular one and, and the older one's gonna have all the eyes on him and be more uh, conformist to what's going on. Um, and they were, their formative years were different. Obviously Harry was younger when his mum died. I think that, I think, I mean, that clearly affected him in such a profound way. Not saying it didn't affect William, but William has never, William hasn't shown it in the same way. You but he spent say- more time with Diana. You know what I mean? That's what's so puzzling to me. She had an opportunity to have more influence mm. on William. But maybe but so William- Charles, was- so did Charles. Yeah, exactly. Maybe William was more of a sort of formed human being when his mother passed in a way that um, Harry wasn't. And I do, th- I've seen with people where there's trauma at a young age, the younger ones, like, it's so earth shattering. They haven't developed themselves yet. They're not fully formed. So that whole is different. Um, not less, just different. No, I, I totally, I had that in my own family. My, I, you know, I, my mother passed when I was 17, but my brother was 12 and it hits different. I mean, I was super close to my mother and my sister and I were totally traumatized and we're a year apart. He's five years younger than me. It's a whole different kind of trauma when you're that little. You know, and he was about the age that Harry was. And it just hits so different for a little kid. And he seemed like he was such a mommy's boy, um, you know, and he was just li- younger. And I've it, it has always seemed like it hit Harry so hard. I can still picture him walking behind that casket. And he yeah. just dazed, you know, and I, I just really do think that he was so young that his impressions of his mother are so much more innocent and he just takes all the purest form of her. And I feel like it's just been distilled in his veins. That is that mama's child. But it's like who William has become now, who we're seeing of him is almost a betrayal of his mother and her memory and who she was. He's he's the one who's gonna be king. Have you If, if you watch The Crown, and I'm not saying it's all true and I don't know if the ladies agree with this, the oldest one, you think about Elizabeth and how she had to conform because she yeah. was going to be queen, whereas Anne tried to break out because she wasn't. You know what I mean? I think when you're the kid who's not going to be the royal, you don't have to mind the crown so much. The, the younger ones just can be free. And Keep remember, they're, they're trained. They're trained. This isn't, it isn't like, oh, you okay, here you go. Tomorrow you're the king. You, yeah. From birth, you are trained in You're how trained to, to be this role. Yeah, that part when Megan talked about meeting the queen for the first time and not realizing that she would have to curtsy um, and then quickly trying to learn how to do it properly, I think that shocked a lot of people when they heard that, um, you know, that that was her experience. She thought, surely in public, yes, you curtsy before the king, the queen, but not in, in private. Um, and right. a lot of people took issue with that. Like, how could she not know that? Google's right there. Like, a lot of people like, like stop it. Why, why would she know this? If yeah, you, like people thought she should have done a Google and researched the whole why? thing. Why? She's got Harry telling her everything she needs to know, the man she loves. Why does she have to Google behind his back? I think it's this, this is why this is why I see that. Sorry, I think it's very difficult for people who haven't grown up in the UK to understand the inflexibility and the rigidity of the class system. I went to Cambridge. We used to have formal hall every Friday. Formal hall is a formal dinner. And there's a whole protocol for what you do at formal hall. We speak in Latin. We wear, we wear certain garments. And, you know, there are kids who've come from certain schools where they were doing that from when they were 11 years old. You know, and then there are kids who've, like, come from other schools where they're like, what is this? You're speaking in Latin? Like, who does that? You know, and these things are not explained to you. You either quickly get with it or you do not. But I, it's there's nothing similar to that in America. Maybe, you know, debutante balls or something like that. But to be raised in that way in the UK, it's it's very profound. And it's 
obviously the royal family took it for granted, not even thinking that they should bother to teach um, Meghan about it. In the, you know, so I, I think that's hard for people outside to really understand how deep that goes. But it's so mm. hypocritical. I find it deeply hypocritical that people criticize her over that. I mean, yeah. it's like people forget. I mean, just think about it. If you're a married person, when you go into your in-law's family and the whole dynamics of the family, you don't know that until you get married. It's not when you visit them for dinner or for lunches, blah, blah, blah. It is when you get married and you're into the family, you start to learn different things. So no, I'm not surprised that she did not know about the cutting yeah. or the different formalities. You know, look, like Nigerians would say, I beg, please. <laughs> Let us focus on what needs to be done. This is, it's not rocket science. It's like, you, we, we're such hypocrites. I'm not calling myself a hypocrite, but I'm just saying, we live in such a hypocritical society that what you would not expect for yourself is what you're expecting of Megan or other people. I so I just think that's wrong. I don't really speculate on Harry and um, and William's relationship. You know, I I understand that families there'll be drama. But from what I have seen, they always had a close relationship. But it looks to me like even in that close relationship, you would always have the older brother and the younger brother. Sometimes the older brother is the more responsible one, and sometimes the older brother has to be the more responsible one because the younger brother is carefree. Do you see what I mean? There's always a dynamic there. Yeah. So whatever it was, um, by the time Megan came in, I used to think that they, they looked cute together, William, Catherine, and Harry. But clearly Harry was playing gooseberry, right? <laughs> to William and uh, to William and Catherine. So I have no idea. All I know is I, I do hope that they patch things up. I think that the brothers do love each other. And Selavi, these things happen. But people should please stop being hypocrites and passing on unreasonable standards that they would not want to live up to. Mm. I mean, the fact that yeah. Megan had to Google the national anthem. Mm. Really? Yeah. You couldn't give this girl a handbook or something. I, that's what I'm saying. Doesn't she have an entire staff? Um, well, ladies, we unfortunately have to leave it there. Um, oh, but it so was wonderful time. to have you both. But Dr. Shola, I did want to mention an event that you have coming up. Um, I believe it's in Harlem. It is. So I'm speaking at the fifth biannual Women of the World Festival taking place on Sunday, March 21st and hosted by Harlem's legendary Apollo Theater. Yeah. And this year's theme is Black Women Transcending. People, can I get an amen? Say an amen. Amen. But I will be yeah. on a panel called Conjure Women, remixing the narrative, discussing how Black women are conjuring new pathways to leadership as we transcend to new heights. And I'll be joining brilliant, 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 brilliant thought leaders across the community. So please come and join us. Passes are available for the WOW Festival. They're available at the Apollo Theater website. Come join yeah. us. <laughs> Love it. I love it. Ladies, thank you both so much. And we have to have you both back to the podcast. Yes, please. Okay, well, we had our guest. That was fantastic. Man, oh, my God. All the tea was spilt. That was like a little trip across the pond. It was like a little trip across. But I mean, the thing is so crazy is that what what uh, I think it was Lola who said it. If you haven't grown up there, it's so different. I mean, my mother grew up having to learn the national anthem, right? Because they're in Guyana, Guyana, that was British Guyana when growing yeah. up, and they had to sing "God Save the Queen." And so, imagine being in a country that's basically all black and Indian, and you're just, it's all there's very few white people there, but you're all growing up singing "God Save All yeah. Yeah. Queen," and like. It's a weird colonial weird thing that you're told that's what you have to revere. This white lady way across the pond, right across the Atlantic, and she's the uh, in charge of you, right? And in charge of your life and the Caribbean is all that. There are African countries. Nigeria is that they basically enslaved mm -hmm. Nigeria. Yeah, you know, grabbed a bunch of Nigerians and enslaved them in America, and then grabbed Ghana and enslaved them in Guyana and enslaved them in. I mean, we always forget sometimes it's the British that did that to us because they were doing it. A lot of people want to dismiss that. And then we've even, you know, moved into like, we not only do we forget about it, but we as Americans celebrate the Royals, even as black Americans, you know, before they before Megan even became a part of that family or even started dating Harry, there were those of us who loved Princess Diana, you know, that, that watched the Royal wedding that really 
celebrated the fantasy of being a royal, specifically in Britain. But I, you know, that interview, I mean, when was the last time that there was a television event like this? that everybody was watching and just on the edge of their seats. I mean, beyond the yes. live tweeting, like it was just like, this was just, and I, I'm also curious beyond this, I think Oprah did a fantastic job. I feel like beyond this, you know, her relationship with CBS, I thought it was interesting that she did it for CBS and not for OWN, right? Yeah. I thought it was interesting that she, she, yeah. that she made that choice, even to- Bigger audience. Even the, even the, but even the simulcast, yeah, right? I thought that that was interesting, yeah. but I love that. I love that she did this. I love that the the viewership was what it was. I mean, it was huge. It also yeah. aired in in Britain. I yeah. think a couple of nights uh, after that. So it'll be yeah. interesting. I do it personally. I do hope that there is some repair to the relationship with Harry and his family. I like to think. Yeah. That even though they're they're very trained in what they do as royals, I still like to think that there is that they are there is still family there, that there is still a relationship yeah. for him because he has really even though he has his own family now, he you know he grew up with these people. That is his father. That yeah. is his grandmother, who he I, clearly seems to have a close yeah. relationship. I would like to see them to yeah. start to repair things. I would like to at least see them um, give them their titles back in my, this is my little opinion. It may not matter to them. And I would like to yeah. see uh, Harry's salary restored, his military honors restored. And I would like for uh, uh, the Britons to pay for their security, even if they're here in the US, yeah. some type of security. I agree. Uh, for those children well, more than anything. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think they care if they get their titles back, but I agree with you. I think that they, he obviously loves his grandmother. You can tell yeah. the way he speaks about her, that he reveres her, but that he also just loves her. And they talk, yeah. there was other parts of the interview where they talked about doing FaceTimes with her and how she FaceTimes with the baby. Right. And you know, maybe I'm just being sort of romantic about it, but I really don't feel like this is the queen herself necessarily as a person. She is so trapped in the institution that she yeah. does a lot of things that are painful for her family, but that are what the institution requires. And I think there's a lot of blame. He said that, he basically said the institution yeah, is cruel and it demands they're trapped. cruelty. Yeah. They're trapped. It's, and so, and like I agree with the most, exactly. And you know, I, I've always wondered what the relationship, I've always been non-surprised by, put it this way, that Harry and Prince Charles are not close because Harry was so close to Diana that him marrying Camilla had, had to have been a problem. I never believed that those boys had no opinion about that. Um, and so I always had thought that I'm, I'm not surprised that he's not super close to his dad, but I hope that he and his brother come back together because you only I get brothers are like a thing that's important that you want that relationship. So I hope that works out. Um, and I hope they all can be friends. I hope everybody can get back to being friends. I but they need to address the racism. They just need to address it. I agree. It. I agree. As a, as a monarchy, they definitely do. But I hope that as a family, yes. that they can find yeah. a way to come back together. But we'll see. I hope so. We'll see. We'll see, so what, girl. So what you going to do for you this weekend, girl? So this weekend, I'm going sneaker shopping, my friend. So our mutual friend, Jazz, has me on this fitness regimen, which is killing my ass. She going to um, Jackrabbit? I'm going to Jackrabbit. I'm going to get me some new sneakers so that I can be ready. And since it's nice and warm outside, we've decided to try to find a park in the neighborhood so we can get outside. Nice. And, you know, roller skate. Yep. Um, the daughter got some roller skates. I ordered some roller skates. We're, I'm going to get the bikes repaired so I can start biking. I'm Girl, I'm about to get in this spring business. I'm about to get out this house and move my body. What you I doing? I love it. Yes. What are you doing for you, my love? Well, this weekend, I too am going to get out a little bit. You know, I don't go anywhere. Um, but there is, <laughs> there is a Jamaican vegan festival this weekend in Northern New Jersey. Yes. And so I'm going to go over there. I'm not going to, I'm just going to go and pick up some food. Yes. And just, it's not that warm. It's not going to be that warm here this weekend right. in the New York area where I am. Um, so I'm just going to go to the festival and check it out. Cause I love more than anything. And you would love this too, actually, even though, you know, you're an all anti-vegan right now. Um, I'm not anti-vegan. You know what I mean? You were yeah. just talking about eating goat. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had to cover my, cover my ears. 
<laughs> you, you African. Sorry them about goats, Listen, no. them goats live for us. Those goats are just waiting for a chance to be a stew for us. They mean it. They love Girl, it. Didn't you lose a baby goat when you were killed and when you were younger and it devastated you? A baby goat? No, I never had a baby goat. Did you have a goat? What, didn't, didn't you have a pet and they killed it? It was a dog. No, the dog died because my, my African father was supposed to be watching our dog when we drove to Mexico. <laughs> So my mom could write the chapter in this book for this professor because she was a professor. We drove saying? to Mexico. We let that Negro watch the house for a summer and we came back and the dog was dead. Oh, y'all didn't so eat he it. didn't take care of it. Oh, girl, please. No, <laughs> we took, the, the people came and took it in a truck and just took it away. Cause we weren't going to bury it in the backyard because we didn't want a doggy ghost because that house was already haunted. Well, listen, anyway, <laughs> you would love a gathering of Black vegans. It is always a celebration. It's so much fun. Just like our friend from uh, China from Bad Gal Vegan. Yeah. bought us the vegan oxtails and the scrimp yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's I ordered food from her, amazing. by the way. I have it. I ordered food from her. I got, I ordered scrimp from her, which is tasty as hell. It's so good, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So this will be like a whole like food festival of Jamaican vegan food. So I cannot wait to check it let me ask you one quick question before we go, because I know we got to go. Yeah. When you get your vax and I get my vax, are you like me that I am, you know, I've been the biggest promoter of get vax, get vax, get vax. But I had to say last night to Vin Gupta on the show, I'm still going to be too scared to eat indoors at a restaurant. You know, we have great friends that have restaurants and I love every one of them. Yeah. I would, I am still too afraid to either go to a, a theater, a restaurant, anything indoors. I'm even once I get my vax, I'm I don't think that's going to be something I'm going to do for a while. What about you? Same. My life has changed forever. It has yeah. changed forever. I will always, whether I'm at a in a, in a theater for a movie or a play, it, whenever I'm in a closed space, I won't be in like an elevator with a lot of people. I'll just take no. the stairs or take the next yeah. elevator. I whenever I go to a concert or anything like that, I will have I will be like Michael Jackson was. I will Same. have a mask on, all, like from now on. From now on, I girl, don't, me too. I don't, yeah, Jackie, me too. I'm gonna. Me too. I, I, it won't change. I've invested in so many cute masks. You can match them with your fashion. I will be a mask girl pretty much forever. I'm too. When I, I this morning, I came in from jogging because there were too many people outside. I didn't want to be in there downstream, yeah. and I didn't have my mask on because normally when I jog, I'm, there's no one out there. Honey, there were people out there. I did my two laps and took my ass home because I'm like, I don't even want to be in your downstream outside. I don't want to be, I don't want no close talkers talking close to me. Back up. I need my six feet. Don't right. come near me. Don't sit near me. Don't talk in my face. No. Because the thing that people need to realize and really just remember is that with this vaccine, it doesn't mean that you won't get COVID. Correct. You just won't get an extreme version of You just COVID. won't be on a ventilator. You just and, won't and end up being hospitalized. There's a less mm -hmm. likely chance of it, but you right. still will get it and possibly, and get the symptoms related to it. And my biggest fear is because when you do get COVID, even if you're asymptomatic, it can still affect your heart, right? This yeah. is without the vaccine. It can mm -hmm. affect your heart, your lungs, and so many of other things, depending on how it interacts with your body. Now, if you get a vaccine and the virus still enters your body, in what way we don't is know. Is that going to impact your body? That scares me. And me so too. my life has changed forever. Like you said, I will have a mask on forever. Me forever. too, babe. And, and by the way, this is how people in China are. We always, you know, used to sort of be like, when you see uh, visitors, um, tourists from China in New York yeah. City, they've been having masks for years. Yeah. They've been walking around in airports. Uh, you always can tell the people who have just come from China because they be wearing those masks, and that's because it's very polluted in Beijing and other places. Right. And they come and they always have masks on. It's a normal part of life in other countries. That's about to become a normal part of life here. And I think people like you and me, I think we are not uncommon. And I will just say I that. agree. And yeah. to add to that, since this whole pandemic and working from home and wearing a mask as I, whenever I went out, I have not even had a cold. Me neither. I haven't been think about it. I haven't been sick at all. So think about just the all the other germs that yes. you and viruses that you you can avoid in addition to the coronavirus by just wearing a mask in your everyday life and Amen. sanitizing, right? Washing Sanitize. your hands and doing all those things that they've been telling us to do for years as far as washing our hands. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to do that stuff. That's like going to be a part of my life. Oh, I was already I wash my hands. I, I, that's, why my, that's why I'm always, my hands are always ashy. I wash my hands a hundred times a day, even before Corona. I'm a, a hand washing. I have the germ stuff I put on my hands. 
I don't like touching things. Like yeah. I'm, li- you know, I'm a bit of a germaphobe. So I, I was ready for this moment. I was prepared. Hey, for you this were moment. born for this. Born for this. Okay. Let keep me on lockdown for another year. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> All me right, too. Jackie. <laughs> All right, lady. Well, I know you got to run. And but thank you guys for tuning in for this episode of Read This, Read That. Be this sure to yeah. check out Joanne Reed on the readout every Monday through Friday. 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Sometimes she goes a little long. She's like, she gets the last word in, and then it's like 801. <laughs> or you be cutting it close. <laughs> That's because Ari be throwing it to me late. Let's just keep it real. Ari be throwing it to me late, and then I'm late. So blame that on Ari Melbert. Well, Ari needs to get it together because you be late. The, you be like, okay, and you, you're telling your guest, and you're like, okay, okay, okay and, and, and we gotta go back. <laughs> like trying to get out on time, but Ari. Be, Ari be having his hip hop people on too long. He need to tell them to talk less, talk shorter. So and you can, you can catch Jackie Reed on New York Live Monday through Friday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or at 12.30 p.m. if you happen to be in Boston, which is a great place to be unless it's cold. You can also catch Jackie Reed on vegansexycool.com, vegansexycool.com or the Vegan Sexy Cool app on your Instagram. Yes, That's podcast, where you get all the and the podcast. Oh, yeah, the podcast. The Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. Download it, download it, download it. Also download this one, both of them. And you can follow us on social media. Read this, read that. Take off yes. the tea for savings on the Twitter. Thank you for all of that. Thank you guys for joining us. And we will Look. see you next time. Cheerio. Cheerio. Pip, pip. <laughs>